on part one of Bounce Back, we spoke with Tony and Mercedes, and they was given their life's journey through the pain of addiction. And this is part two of Bounce Back with Tony and Mercedes. So I'll just, we're going to continue where we left off at when Mercedes was speaking about her addition leading to domestic violence, and we're going to pick up from there. So enjoy. Took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Wake up every morning, by the night I count stacks. Knew that ass was real when I hit it, bounce back. You ain't getting checks. Last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Boy, I've been broke as hell. From now, a lot of resentment towards men is stemmed for that. Like today with men, it's not like I want someone to love me, but at the same time, it's like. And I'll just keep it real with you, just 100% honest with you. The same man that beat me today, that same man, when he got released out of prison, I went and spoke to him because I felt like I needed closure. I needed that closure for him to tell me that he was sorry that and truly meant it. I needed to see those tears come out of his eyes. But the consequences of seeing that was, okay, is there an emotional attachment still there? Do I love this man? What is this? But let's keep it real. There's probably nothing there. And that's what we were talking about today. There's soul ties. There's definitely soul ties. And, soul ties are real. Right. That's something that I worked on one with Ashley Adams. I had that man, whole government name tattooed on me. And I got it covered up. And the other man, I just, I didn't. I, I didn't want to bother with that. But I was telling her earlier, I was like, it's something that has to be done. It's something that... It's, it's just got to be done because those same feelings may not still be there if I break that soul tie. Mm. And that's facts because at the time we were selling drugs, shooting dope together. There's a lot of demonic stuff that comes with that. I and mean, I went through a lot of deliverances at New Beginnings a lot. I had a lot of oppression and possess possession. So. Man, your, your drug of choice again? Meth. Heroin. Molly. Ecstasy. Are you done? <laughs> I mean, cocaine, weed. But no crack. I tried crack one time, and I weak so hard, I, I literally called my mom and sitting in the middle of the dope house talking about, you got to take me to the hospital because I'm wigging. Like, this crap done got me going crazy over here. So. Okay. Tony, I'm, I'm showing the, the age difference now. Mercedes is 25. She named about five or six drugs that she has used. You, sister. What was your drug of choice? Well, as I stated before, you know, it started out with weed. And then at that time, when I went into the kitchen that night and smoked that dope, that was free basin cocaine. But my drug of choice was crack. And so you never tried meth? No. You, you never I, tried heroin? No. You never tried molly? No. See, I'm scared of needles. I don't like needles, so that drug, those drugs wouldn't appeal to me because I just got a, a psychological problem with a needle. Right. It's just me. The fear, would I would never try heroin because it's just a needle. So you know, if, meth, if, if you, know, you can smoke needle. it and shoot it, but I would never try it. Thank God I never tried smoking meth because probably if I ever tried smoking meth, I would have gotten addicted to it because it wasn't my, what I found out about me was my fan, my fan, my fan, my, my fantasy of it or, or my, or my aura that gave me that high was seeing the smoke ah, in the air, really blowing the smoke and just watching it as it moved through the air. So if I had tried meth, I probably really would have been on a whole nother kick. Right. Because the intensity of the meth is worse than crack. And from yeah. what I understand, I ain't never tried meth and don't even want to think about trying some meth. So, because I know what, <laughs> and, and free basic cocaine is actually 
different than crack because cocaine is more of a pure, pure. substance. Yes, it is. Crack is mixed with different type of attributes and right. chemicals and speeds. You know, it can have B12, it can have rat poison. It, right. it can have a variety of things in it that would take you to a Zoom land. Yeah. And you, a lot of times you'll be speedballing. Whereas with cocaine, it's still a drug, but it doesn't have the, the intensity of having you all over the place. Right, because it's, it's in nature. But, but the crack would have you just speeding. That's why you see people a lot of times when they're involved with crack just spontaneously just do something out of the ordinary that just, it's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the spontaneity of the drug because the demons, they're quack. They're attacking milliseconds, not seconds, milliseconds. Like, only thing I can tell someone, if you've never tried drugs, don't. And if you, if you, if you, if you have any grace on your side, stay with grace because drugs will take you for a spin. Okay, and, I, I, I want to prove a point right now, and I hope neither one of y'all get offended, but I feel like I have to prove this point. Shut up, Dana. All right, Mercedes, you're 25. Mm-hmm. Did you graduate high school? Nope. Okay, so did you get your GED? Nope. So what grade did you drop out in? The last month of my 10th grade year. 10th grade, yeah. All right. And you got on dope? Yep. All right. Tony, did you graduate high school? Yes. Did you graduate college? Yes. And you got on dope also? Yes. So it doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter your financial level. Dope is dope for any and everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people got that, got that thought process that the poor people do dope. Well, let me ask you this. I was under the assumption that the poor people, they do crack. Now it's men. The rich people do the pure cocaine. Is that a true assumption or... Well, it's like Mercedes said before, it's, 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 it's like an illusion. It's deception. Drugs are just drugs, man. They don't care who you are. They don't right. care where you come from. No matter how much money you got. No matter how fat you are, right. how beautiful you are, how fine you are as a man. It don't matter how, how, how long your stick is. No matter how big your gap is, <laughs> your mouth. It, it, it doesn't discriminate. Right. It attacks. And when it comes, it comes to kill. Steal, destroy. That's his job. That's 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 what it was designed to do, and that's what it does. And I think by these testimonies today, and I commend Mercedes because she has been very transparent in talking about her addiction about men. Even to this day, there's some things I still don't understand about myself that I don't have answers to. But what God has shown me is that every you're not you're not gonna have an answer to everything. So don't beat yourself up trying to figure it out. Only thing you can do is just make better choices. That's it. At the end of the day, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different testimonies. We all have different upbringings. We all have different stuff we've gone through. But at the end of the day, I don't care who you are. It comes down to your choices. Mm -hmm. I was never big on NA. But I went through a recovery program one time. But what it did do is that it put me in touch with God. That's what it did. I, didn't, I wasn't a big applicant on the steps. I worked the program. I'm not an N.A. guy this day. But I'm truly a hell of a guy when it comes to speaking about the Lord in spirit. Mm-hmm. I, step on, I, I stand on faith. I, I don't knock N.A. I think every, every avenue has its tools based on what that individual needs. Right. And sometimes people need N.A. and they need group support and they need to be around people to speak a certain language. Some people praise the sun. You got other folk, man, that Mercedes shared earlier. Look at the door. Whatever it takes for you to find a pathway to make a better choices, then that's what's meant for you. Some people, it's giving back with their kids. Some people, it's 
being able just to have a phone call with a family member they haven't talked to in years. With some people, they don't want to make amends, but they decided that they're going to change their life and make better choices. So there's a different pathway for everybody. And you know, I'm not here to, I'm not here in any way here to, to judge anyone because I still got a lot of work to do. But one thing I can say, when I look in the mirror today, I like who I see. Amen. When I used to look in the mirror, I didn't like who I saw. Amen. And so that's, that's what I stand on. I still have struggle. I still have mental battles. I still have cravings. I still have dreams at night that attacks me. She was talking about sex. My, that was my biggest, as I've, I shared with you openly over the time. Right. You know, that was always my problem, women. Like men with her roots. <laughs> and, but the thing about it is, I didn't, I didn't have any excuses. I had a great mom. Mm -hmm. I had a dad that was a provider. He was a rolling stone now. Wherever he laid his hat, that's where he laid. But he was a great provider. He taught us discipline. He was smart. I learned a lot of stuff from him. I'm loving him to death. But I can't say that I had poverty. I can't say that I know what it's like to not have running water. I can't say I know what it's like did not have a meal on the table each and every day. It simply came down at the end of the day, I was a self-sabotager. I caused myself problems based on my choices, right. period. Right. It goes back to Tony. So I don't blame nobody for what I've been through but Tony. Amen. And I think a lot of times people want to find excuses to blame others and mm -hmm. say, this person caused this, that person caused that. Yeah, you could have been in a certain situation to do certain things, but at the end of the day, you got to look at yourself. Right. You got to say, hey, what part did I play in it? And if you really get real and take the mask off, as she would say in so many words, keeping it gutter, it's, it's all with the individual. It's, it's, it's the individual person. It's you. So you got to get real with you. And some things in life I still battle with being real about. See, wow. see, in this journey, see, there is no perfection. What you do is you thrive for a spirit, a spirit of excellence. Mm -hmm. You thrive to just get better. You thrive to just do better. And when you do those things, it's evident externally. But most of us that go through our struggles, it's internal battles. It's insecurities that we've never dealt with when we was a child. Everything goes back to a child. I can remember when I was 12 years old, I never will forget this. I was in my mom and dad's house and I found a book. And there were some pictures in this book. Playboy? No. <laughs> okay. All right. There were some pictures in this book, right? With some family members indulging in sex. And there was all type of different shots in the book and all type of different angles and all type of stuff that was going on. And I was fascinated. I was like, whoa. Yeah, they were building Playboy. I was like, ooh. And so from that, it's funny how you mentioned Playboy. The next week, I went in my dad's room and in the closet, there was a stack of magazines and there were Playboy magazines. So now when my dad and mom is at work, I'm in the room going through the Playboy's magazines. Next thing I know, I started hunching the bed. At 12 years old. At 12 years old and climaxing. You were skiing at 12? At 12, okay. hunching the bed. Okay. All right. Got me? Yeah. But that was the enemy setting me up to addiction. Sure. Mm -hmm. and that early so even though I couldn't physically have a female, or I didn't have a female, my mind took me there enough to fantasize that I can do this. Right. That's right. So when I got to high school, I was already above the kids at my yeah. level because I had already been experiencing stuff mentally. Right. I was passing. Was so a lot of times when I would engage in activities with the other, with females, I had the upper hand because in my mind I was more experienced. Yeah, yeah. So of course it's, it's like we having an open discussion here. People have to be very careful about sexuality. Right. Sexuality can make or break you. We know a plenty of relationships where people stay in because they feel deprived. They don't think that they meet what Ann was like in school or what Bobby was like in school or my next door neighbor. He had all the girls and when I came through high school, I had none of the girls. Right. But even as you become an adult, 
See, we as men, we 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 for, we tend to we tend to play games with ourselves because egotistically we're very insecure beings. When you get right down to it, I feel like you're going to another episode. And so, what a man does a lot of times to make himself feel better about himself, he'll have multiple partners because he can because that he thinks that solidifies his manhood. You definitely but what, it, but what it does is it just causes you just a bigger it just causes you a bigger problem. And then the next thing you know, you never can be faithful in a relationship. You never can take care of your wife when you're married. You got the perfect girl at the at the house that really loves you and she's there, but she ain't enough for you. You got to still go to the booty club or the strip club just to feel validated. Yep, that's definitely another episode. You got me? So I didn't mean to get off track, but again, I think sexuality is a big part and it's, the more, it's probably a major part of addiction with most people who have addiction issues. And then some folks say, well, I've recovered. Man, you never recover. You never recover. You never recover. All you can continue, all you can do is continue to press on. Okay, let me ask you this. Go ahead, Mercedes. I just want to take it back to the question that you said that a lot of people have it that a lot of people, the rich people do cocaine and the poor people do like crack and meth. Now, if we was in the city, I could see where that could be true because let's, let's talk about it. Anybody that's a lawyer, nine times out of ten, it's an easy drug. It's an easy it's for them to cover up because I mean, I mean, you just stick it in your drawer and it's over with. You got it. You get a high for. So I can see that maybe in a bigger population. But for me and the country that the county that I come from, it was the saying that goes around in Madison County is, you will never see crackheads and meth heads together because they just don't get along. They and, don't. and and the white people do meth and the black people do crack. Yes. But in reality, it's 2022. Now you see, a, you don't see a lot of crackheads no more. Uh, and don't. if they are crackheads, they're undercover crackheads, and you won't ever know they're crackheads unless wow. they're like, oh, you want to hit those? And you're like, oh, you're a crackhead? Because a lot of the percentage is going to meth because meth lasts a lot longer. Right. There's more effects on meth because there's this meth poem. I could pull it up later if you want me to. But there's this meth poem and everything that it, it tells you about meth and how it and how it's made and what it's gonna do to you. Before you know, if most people read it before they did it, they would be like, "Hmm, I mean, nine times out of ten, you're still gonna do it." But if you had the mentality, if I had the mentality that I have now before I did it, I probably would have never touched it. I'm glad you brought that up because that was a confusing factor for me because I'm like. If someone's seeing what this drug is doing to someone else, mm-hmm. how is there a new customer? Yeah. That's what I never could because understand. Because everybody is their own individual. Yeah. And so it's funny how I, I, I listen to Mercedes say, and it is Mercedes, right? Uh-huh. Okay. It's, it's, it's funny how I hear Mercedes share about in the city, you can see the lawyer. But see, I've been on both sides of the stick. I've been in the city, and then I've been in the rural county. And I don't care where you're from. If you, got a, if you got a decision that you want to do drugs, it don't matter whether you're a lawyer, a basketball <laughs> player, uh, a, a sales rep, cashier at the store, uh, or whatever, washing cars, or just walking the street. If you want to do drugs, man, you're going to do drugs. It comes down to the individual. And, and, and I think people from all walks of life, and as we're seeing more and more, as she shared, a very good point. In 2022, you see a lot of crossover with maybe crack and meth and more people doing meth now than crack. But it's still drugs. Right. Anyway, you look at it. It's still drugs. I feel yeah. like a lot of people that would say, oh, well, poor people do cocaine is because really, if you look at it, cocaine, you can hire cocaine. You can hire cocaine easy. Anybody can. But, I mean, cocaine's a very expensive drug, if you get down to it. It really is. But at the same time, like, I really, I agree with you 100% on if you're going to do drugs, you're going to do drugs. Right. But a lot of people do say the poor do it because if you look at it, like, crackhead and a meth head, they can only t- maintain main, maintain life for so long on that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, my God, it all goes to shambles. But a, 
a person that is maintaining on cocaine. Like I personally know some people that have been doing cocaine their whole entire life, right. probably still doing it today and living their best life right. just because there's just different strokes from different folks. Like some people doesn't, some people don't have that addictive mentality. They can just set it down and never pick it back up. But mm. the fact of it is, is how long, how long is that really going to last? Well, it goes back to that three letter word. I said, yeah, yet. it mm -hmm. just ain't caught up with you yet. Right. Mm -hmm. There's some yeah. people that have, that can go and do drugs for 35, 40 years right. and have very successful life, businesses, own homes and cars. And then just that one day, something turns different right. that the addiction kicks in and it takes over. Mm -hmm. Then it's no longer recreation. It's an addiction. Mm -hmm. But the addiction just didn't show itself. It was addiction the whole time. Right. It just didn't show itself. But then there's some folks, after the first time, like I shared, mm -hmm. I knew the addiction was there. But it took me a process of almost 10 years before the addiction started to reveal itself publicly, right. outwardly. Mm -hmm. But when I really got down to the root of it, and I still have to dig deep. That's why I think candor is so important. I don't have all answers. But what I will tell anybody, especially if you're listening, if you got issues with stuff, everything starts internally and then it works its way out externally. If you got issues going on on the inside, maybe dad wasn't there. Maybe mom wasn't there. Maybe you didn't get the boy that you wanted to get when you was in high school. You just thought that you would start sleeping around with several other boys so you could feel validated. Whatever your issue may be internally, if you don't tell on your secrets, if you don't discuss internally when you're having an issue about something and get it out, because for me, and I've heard this over and over, and it is true, if you don't get things out and you just, it's kind of like a balloon. You ever seen a balloon and you put air in a balloon and you pump the, the air pump in the balloon and it swells up and it swells up and it swells up, and but finally when you put the pin in the balloon, all the air lets out. It's the same thing with addiction. You, you swell up, you swell up, you go as long as you can go until you just get so tired that you just can't go no longer. Then the pin hits the balloon and then it's like you flatline. But when you flatline, you flatline to zero, as they would call it in NA, a bottom. Everybody got different bottoms. Right. Some people go through a bottle, recover, then go back to another bottle. Then some people are able to sustain their sobriety or stay clean, and that bottle was enough for them, and they were just able to walk without doing drugs. But it still don't mean that because you're not doing drugs, you still don't have issues and problems. Right. That's right. You're just able to maintain and balance your life better. So the only thing that can help you get past that is God. Yeah. I I'll tell anybody that. That's your source, whether you're in addiction or not. Choose God. Make a free will of choice, man, to seek the Lord each and every day. It's real. He answers prayers. You know, it's stuff that people is not addiction. They may not be doing drugs, but they got ill will and stuff going on with other things, right. whether it's gambling, drinking, right. sex. Some people, money addiction. Yeah. They into identity theft and fraud. There's just so many different parameters of addiction, but they teach you be true to thy own self. When you can be true to your own self, like I'm looking you there now, I can look her now, I can look you now, I can look you now. See, I still haven't figured it out, but that's a good thing. Because when you haven't figured it out, that means that you have enough humility to keep seeking and searching. Because okay. once you think you've arrived and you got all the answers, it's just a matter of time for you you go back again. <laughs> right. I have to do inventory of Tony every day. Sometimes I have to do it by the hour. Sometimes I have to look at myself by the seconds. Then in some days, I don't even want to do an inventory. Because I'm still reminded of yesterday. You know, I was sharing with Tracy that I just was blessed by God to uh, close on a house. In 60 years, first time I've ever did some of my own to have my own house. I had houses before. I've lived in very, very, as he would tell you, very plush places. Yes. Very nice establishment. But never did I have the groundwork laid to just go get my own house. But I closed on this house. And 
what I found out was that in the midst of going through the fight to get the house, that I still got some ill will going on within me that I have to be reminded of my yesterdays. There's certain jobs that I can't even apply for, even with a college degree, that they hire me up until they look at my record. And then when they say felonies, they say, oh, red flag. I can't even go back into the school system and teach, which is what I'm very good at doing because I'm a convicted felon. I couldn't even qualify for apartments because every time I was going to apply for an apartment, even though the money was there, they wouldn't take a chance because they, they remind me of yesterday, wow. your past. So to those that are listening, make good choices because your past will haunt you. Right. It will catch up with you. It's a three-letter word called yet. Yeah. If it ain't caught up with you, it will. I, I really encourage folks, stay away from drugs and seek God, make good decisions. And it don't mean that you're going to be perfect. But it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You just have to be okay with yourself. And I, I commend Mercedes for being just very transparent and open about, especially talking about sexuality. Because I think for all of us, we want to be loved. You want to be appreciated. You want to have some companionship. That's why God created male and female. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. So yeah. just to speak on that, when I was in rehab, they made us dig into the root. Where, where did this stem from? Mm -hmm. Where did it stem from? So a lot of people will be like, well, okay, I got beat, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, no, that's not. Let's go back a little farther. Let's dig in a little farther. Um, just being real, real about the situation. So I dug and I dug and I dug until I came back to the exactly where the root stems from. When my mom was pregnant, my mom got pregnant by this by this dude named Tommy Michael Hannon. And my mom never told me about him. I never even knew I had other siblings. I actually sat beside one of my sisters for three years and never knew she was my sister. <laughs> up until my mom opened up when he got out of prison and was like, hey, this is your dad, and this is why I didn't tell you about your dad. This is who your real dad is. I believe that this whole different family was my, was my kinfolks mm. and not what it really was. The reason she never told me is because my dad is a child molester. My dad had just did a life bid. He's working on a second one now. Mm. Then that's whenever I found out that I had brothers and sisters and a lot of them that I didn't know. With that being said, that's where that form of rejection came from. Not because of a man did anything to me. It was because my birth father, the one that conceived me, rejected me at birth. And knowing that a baby can feel everything. A baby can feel what's going on. And I knew all this before I got pregnant. It's not anything that I'm just learning, but a baby can hear. It knows. It knows. I felt that form of rejection from my father from the womb growing up and of course I thought this other dude was my dad but he was dead in reality okay my dad my real dad's dead this is what I'm thinking mm -hmm. but I have this stepfather and he's an alcoholic right now and he's also on more tabs and my mom is on more tabs at this time even though that he did treat me like his little baby and his princess and would never let my mom whoop me and I was just the best thing that happened yeah that was good but he died from cirrhosis of the liver and then my mom got married again, and she's still with this man that she's with now. And after her coming out about that at the age of 16, then that's when my mind started wondering, well, even though my dad is this, what, what is he really like? What does he look like? What, what is it? Did he really do this? Or because there are a lot of situations where a teenage girl is at a party drunk, this happens to her, and... She doesn't want to say that she did it, that she was entertaining it. There's a lot of situations where it happens like that and men go to prison for it. And so it was like, what, what is it? At the age of 18, even though I'm already strung out, this is his first time being out of prison in 15 years. My sister had reached out to me and was like, hey, our dad's home. Would you like to meet him? Of course, with my mom telling me all these things about my dad, my real dad has my name tattooed across his hands, which for a long time, even still today, I'm like, why, dude? You're kind of gross. So I met him, and the first time I met him, I didn't go anywhere with him. It was a, hey, how you doing? Okay, 
the guy I was with was like, okay, you're not welcome here no more. Let me throw a brick through your window. That's what happened. And was this all because of what mom told you about dad? What? The, the that resentment? The, the resentment. Yes. Okay. And so then, because I didn't believe it, even though that this is what was said that he done, I'm one of those people, you're going to have to show me in black and white. I want to read this. I want to see this. Can I ask you this? Mm -hmm. You see your father, your biological father for the first time, mm -hmm. and I'm just asking you, not according to what was given to you, mm -hmm. but you as an individual, what did you feel? I felt happiness. A little bit of ha happiness, but a lot of rage. Okay. It was like, even though you've been gone for 16 years, you've been keeping in contact with my other four, five, six sisters mm. I got over here. You've been keeping in contact with them. You want something to do with them, but now I'm just, I'm a convenience to you because my sisters brought me up. Gotcha. There was a lot of rage there and didn't understand. That's a lot of emotion. Right. Then... It was probably the second time that I seen him. My dad, had, my real dad had knew that I was on dope because I was like, I'm on dope. Like, I didn't care who knew at that point. Then he hits me up and was like, hey, you got some dope? I was like, sure, I'll take you to go get some dope. And he came and picked me came and picked me and this dude up and we took him in. Back in the day, it used to be like shake and bake. They used to call it shake and bake. So it used to be like shake and bake. And this is whenever you can tell is. This is when I was just now getting hardcore at my addiction. What's shaking, baby? So, anyways, we went and got my dad some, and, of course, he shot dope. We pulled up in the yard that night, and the dude I was with left me in the car with him. And I told him, I was like, Dad, don't pull back that much. You're going you gonna to knock your block off. Don't pull back that much. And mm -hmm. he did anyways, and when he did... He was just and passed out, and I was just smacked him one good time in the back of the head. I was like, look, bro, you got to get up. You can't be overdosing right here. And so he was like, here, just take this, do the rest of this. I did that. Then it wasn't Your even. dad gave you dope to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My real dad. So it wasn't even 45 minutes after that he, he how left. Did you, how did you feel when your dad gave it to you versus looking at it now? Because obviously you got two different. Yeah, so then then I was just like, oh, what's up? That's what's up. I just got some free dope. Like, and it must be some killer dope because it just knocked your block off. <laughs> you know, that was my mindset then. I was like, so how do you feel now? Now it makes me sick. It makes me sick to my stomach only because of what happened after he gave me the dope. After he gave me the dope, he left, and then that's when he started texting my phone, talking about, do you want to sleep with me? Do you want to sell your cousin? There's a whole another ball yeah. game start happening. You notice how she talked about him asking to sleep with her and sell a cub. It went back to the root of sexuality. Yeah. Even though the dope was there, the sexuality was, was the there, root. Just as right. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I never placed myself back around him after that because that's just sick. That that just took things that's whenever i'm like okay mom he was right that man is really sick expressed, was your dad on drugs prior to going to prison for molestation correct honestly i don't know you know okay mm -hmm. i don't even think she he, even knew honestly he picked it up beforehand or in jail or after i have no idea honestly okay. Okay. after that i didn't place myself back around him and i know maybe he stayed out like maybe six to eight months after that and he molested our little sister at Lake Hartwell when they were in the mm. lake together. Now, they gave him a life sentence. Oh, yeah. But <clears throat> on top of that life sentence, with COVID going on, they released him to a halfway house. Now he's in a halfway house, and he's huh. going to get out soon again. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Wow. And he reaches out to me now talking about, I can send no in. I don't want your money. And so that was how I had to go work through all of that in mm -hmm. rehab. But there's a hard thing of working that out in rehab and you open up about this in rehab and you're in anger management in rehab and they're like, I don't know what to tell you how to do it either. I'm, I'm glad we're in the same boat, but I'll fast about it. Can I intervene for a second? Please do. So as an outsider listening mm -hmm. and we both sharing our testimony story, mm -hmm. I think whoever been listening, hopefully they'll get something from it. But me as the outsider listening to you speak, I still hear resentment of the rejection. Mm -hmm. And you have to be very careful that you don't take on that rejection internally because there's still a spirit in you that's absorbed with rejection. Mm -hmm. He's reaching out and you're not receiving that because of the spirit of rejection from before. 
you got to be real careful that you don't hold on to that rejection, that it internalizes you. Because, and the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because I went through that with my father. And what I had to get to a point was when you truly forgive, you forgive. Mm -hmm. See, I don't think that I've made it to that point. point I haven't, and honestly, because I fasted for me to be able to forgive him. I don't know how many, I think I went on a month long fast of trying to not eating breakfast, not eating supper. Lord, I need you to remove this hatred. But it's something that is within me because I just feel at the end of the day, we're your kids, dog. We are your children. And you still want to do this? Knowing that I still know that I have that rejection and that's where my rejection stems in. But knowing that and seeing that rejection, that's how the men, that's where the men addiction come from because it's, and I know it's a sick thing and it's very sick, but knowing that I'm looking for her father's love. And, you know, I have a stepdad. I know that that stepdad, he loves me with everything, would do anything for me, would bend his back over for me. Has been there for, my gosh, 14 years. But knowing that it's that real father's love that I yearn. And I know that I can get it from the Lord. I've literally felt the Lord place his hand over my heart and was, this is what love feels like. And I've felt that before, but it's just the fact of, it's sometimes it's a struggle to not have something tangible. Okay, I can touch you, Lord. I can touch you and feel you right now. This is you, Lord. Hey, how are you doing? Instead of I have to grasp on to and hold on to, I can't see you, but I know that you're holding on. I know that you have my hand. So that's where my struggle with, not that I doubt the Lord at any because he's done so many miracles in my life and allowed me to feel things that I've never been able to feel before. It well, doesn't doubt my that, belief. That's the, that's the beauty of the testimonies today. Right. Is that everybody has a different path. Everybody at different spaces. Even the people that we have sitting around the table today, even though they're not sharing their testimony, trust me, Things have been said for them to internalize to deal with after they leave this table too. Right. So the beauty of sharing is, is that for those who are that really receive, it just helps iron sharpen iron. Mm. Right. That's all it does. Right. But the only reason why I spoke on it is because I can see the beauty in your strength, mm-hmm. but also the enemy is so crafty. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to always do. Not always. What I try to do as much as I can is just be aware of the enemy because his job has never changed from the time it has been spoken. He kills, steals, destroys. And one of the things that he will use as a weapon is having us hold on to a spirit of rejection. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful spirit. It falls in line with envy and jealousy and rejection. Jealousy. Those those words, basically, they all culminate the same thing. They all grasp and hold on to the same thing. And you have to be real careful because as we continue to work on ourselves, mm-hmm. right, I, the, 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 the difference is you being 25 and me being 60. Mm-hmm. I had a pastor tell me this one time, and I really didn't find the Lord for those that are listening and for those at the table. Mama used to take me to church all the time, but I didn't choose the Lord for myself until I went to prison. That's right. That's why when, 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 the, when the good book says that all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose, but I had to do it for myself. And so in doing it for myself, we started taking off layers. Some layers don't come off quickly. At some point, you'll get to a point, hopefully, that that layer will come off. Mm-hmm. But if it don't, you're still okay. Right. And well, see, I, in rehab, they, what are those onions that bloom, that are like bloom, that'll bloom out? Vidalia? Yeah. Okay, they said it's like Vidalia onion. Just stars. Layers, 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 layers and layers and mm-hmm. layers. I use that because when I first went to rehab, I was an angry individual. My spirit, the spirit of rejected, rejection <laughs> reacted in rage. And I was just like, Right, so, I don't know who you're talking to so right watch now. This. You know? <laughs> Even after all these years of living, right? And if God bless me with 26 more days, 
it'll be 60 years, right? Uh-huh. I still got some days of anger. Yeah. I still got some moments of anger. I still got some seconds of anger. Yeah. I haven't still figured it all out. But what I've learned to do through the grace of God, I've learned how to balance and manage myself yeah. better. And I think when you learn how to balance and manage yourself better, you can just deal with life better. Yeah. I think it's just, for me, I had to learn that I still got a problem with how I look at people, but it's not that I'm meaning to look at them any kind of way. It's just, it's, it's just how say, my face look, is. What do you mean? I just, I, I have this thing, people, I work at McDonald's, so they're like, you should smile all the time. But my thing is, if I'm bagging food, the food's not going to smile at me, so I'm not going to smile at the food bag. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just look. It's not that I'm mad at Aaron. Sure. It's just my natural face. I don't smile all the time. Yeah, I do have reasons to smile. You got an RBF? That's what you're telling me? Huh? You got an RBF? Mm-hmm. Tracy, what's an RBF? A, a real bitch. A resting <laughs> bitch face. Yes, I do. Oh. Wow. I do. So. A resting <laughs> bitch face. So what's a rest in bitch face? What's that? Can you elaborate on that? Like she said, is she just bagging McDonald's home? It's like she's mad at the world. That's yeah, mean mugging look. Right, yeah. but she, she doesn't mean to. She, that's, that's just it's her just thinking, right? So her resting, her resting face it's not pleasant. It's like mm. she made it. It's world. not welcoming. Yeah. Right. Some people. It's, it's resenting. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I hear that. Yeah. And it goes back to internal, mm-hmm. what you said earlier. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's for everybody. And you have to dig deep within yourself. So can I ask Tracy and Dana and Dana and and Miss Danielle, what what did you all get? from the testimonies that you heard from me and Mercedes. Before I answer that, Danielle, who are you? Why are you at this table? And who did you come with? I came here with Mercedes. I am her sponsee. And I really just, I got a lot out of yours. I've heard hers millions of times. Mm -hmm. But just about the whole sexual thing, I picked up a lot on that because I struggled with that myself. And yeah, it was was pretty good. I, it just made me think a lot about what you, like what you've been through and all that, and just the big age difference and how how yes. how you were successful and it, it was just crazy, man. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> Thank you. But she said something, and I just gotta jump in. Looks could be deceiving. Yeah, that's some. I look successful from the outside. Mm-hmm. You also and I thank you. God for his grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. Me too. But internally, I still have battles that I haven't successfully defeated, that I have to deal with. Sometimes I see insecurities that surface, and I don't be wanting to look at it. You know? Right. So, it, like she said, it's a journey. And I just wanted to share that with you because there's a lot of people listening tonight. They're successful in their mind. Mm. Outwardly, they are successful. Mm. So how old are you, Daniel? I'm 24. You're 24. And when, when was your first time trying? 16. 16? Yeah, and I just got mixed up um, with the wrong boys and the wrong crowd. And it was just a cool thing to do. Did you say boys? Boys, yeah. Hot damn it. There we go again, boy, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's like something, some, it's something serious. Yeah. And I just, I got mixed up with the wrong people. <laughs> boys ain't shit. Yeah, boys. Boys ain't shit. Boys, so much, yeah, boys up there. Yeah, but that, that is, on a serious note, that is, sex is, sex is so strong that when you mix sex and drugs, you got a disaster. I mean, right. that, that is so true, and, and that's amazing. Sex by itself is strong, not including drugs, but then when you miss that drug scene, oh, my goodness, because I've, I've, yeah, they're going to say that for another episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like what you said about finding God in prison, because that's where I found God. I've, I grew up in a, like a, God, a godly home. I come from a good family as well, but I did not reached my breaking point until I got put in SMU lockdown and I had nowhere to turn to. I had just got kicked out of RSAT for fighting. I had nowhere to turn to the lowest point of my life. I'm looking at 10 years in prison and I have never felt so much peace that God, God gave me so much peace that day. I have never felt so much love 
in such a dark place in my entire life. And in that moment, I knew. And I told him that day, I said, if you can get me out of this, I promise you, I won't never, I'll never go back. And here I am a year and eight months later. Amen. God is love. Amen. Wow. So you know what's, what's, what's powerful too is you were speaking about you was at that point and you cried out, right? And it talks about in one of the in the good book, it talks about being in a place of Lodabar. Your Lodabar is a barren land. God will separate you from everybody to get your attention. He'll put you in a barren land. And a lot of times what God has to do with us when we're fighting with addiction, he has to separate us and put us in a barren land away from everything. And so you hear a lot of people say, well, people go to prison, they'll find God, and they come back out and they screw up. But what people don't understand is that when people find God in prison, even if they step back out and started screwing up or messing up, a seed was sown. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that seed takes years. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes, it's immediate transition, but it started somewhere and there's always hope. So I commend you. I commend you that you was able to be in that place of Lullabar and get what you need. And hopefully you can continue to hold on to that. And you can see my energy level has just picked up in the last five or 10 minutes because I'm just, I just feel like it's hope for everybody. Mm -hmm. There's hope for everybody. That's right. I don't care what nobody say. If you got a family member out there and you're listening and they struggling, man, don't give up on them. You, it's like, Mercedes said about touching something tangible. Sometimes people just need an earthly touch, you know, and you just got to keep reaching out. I'm not saying that you fall by the wayside with them, but what I am saying is, is that don't give up on them because God has never given up on anybody at this table. Amen. 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 You know? All right, well, to answer your question, I'm going to let you go first, Diane. A couple of things stood out for me. Choices. I heard that from both your stories. It's the choices that you made. And I always say life is made up of choices. It's about making choices. Whether it's just coming to the fork in the road, you're either gonna go left or you're gonna go right to your destination. Or just making a choice whether you want to date a person or whether you want to go to college or the military. Like, what you want to eat, just simply getting up in the morning, you want to hit the snooze button, you want to go ahead. So life is about making choices, and we never stop making those choices. So choices was one of the big things that stood out for me that I heard from both of your stories. And family. Talked about family. Mm. Family was your was a, like a, a turnaround or a pivoting point for you. It was great for you to be there for your grandma during her last days and, and what your son did for you. So coming back to how important family is, if someone is going through something, like you said, don't give up on them because they actually need that. So yeah, those were main two points that stood out for me. For me, it, it'll be the, the age difference, the education level, same problem. Hmm. That's 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 pretty amazing, and and to hear how similar y'all stories are, but the big age difference, the big mm -hmm. gap. I'm quite sure we can find someone that's a hundred years old. He come in or she come in and speak, and they have the same similar story. Mm -hmm. Or and find that, someone that's twelve years old that got on and had the same. It's just so that common denominator. Yes, yeah. like you said, I know the, the drug is the common denominator, but how you talk about the root. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the drug is not the problem. It's the root that caused you to get on that drug that caused the problem. Mm -hmm. and, and both root, man, woman. I don't know. All that just, it, it amazes me because I'm the person that, like, like, like you spoke upon, I never have done it. So I don't know. I can't, I, I can't, I can't empathize with y'all at all. I can sympathize, but I can't empathize at all. Right. I, don't, I don't know what y'all been through. I don't, I have no idea. And I can't fathom it. That's what I was just about to say. I was going to speak on earlier, but I like to share my testimony. I like to share it to people that are in addiction. I like to pull people out of the pits of hell. But for more so, I like to share my testimony, testimony to people that's never been in addiction. Right. Only because... Hold on, let me clear something up for I, 
I didn't say I wouldn't have did. I just I said drugs. Right, okay. right. Well, a lot of people think when they say addicted, they say they think drugs. You got a lot of stuff out there because so. I yeah, I with that being know. said, I like for I hate to bring this up, but there's a lot of police out there that don't know. Watch out now. Go ahead. <laughs> there's a lot of police out there that don't know what addiction is. I they agree. don't know what it's like. In their mind, they don't have grace. In their mind, it's okay. Well, I done been through this, and I've done this, and I've been through this. But my choice wasn't to go get high. My choice, I worked through it. Right, and a lot of them treat you like a piece of shit. Right, or they think you a criminal. So, in their minds, that's the reason I like to share to people that's never been in addiction. They've never had that problem because, yeah, let's be real about it. There are a lot of people in the world that's never used drugs to to process a death. There's a lot of people that's never used drugs to do this and this Mm. and this to get through life because that's just not, I'm not going to say that's not how they were raised, but choice this wasn't a choice right i'm not gonna say there's a lot of people out here that's never even they're like oh meth what is that they've never even seen it like they have no idea i was one of those people when i started on the road i'm like what is this but i think meth been out years way before you were born right because they they call it crystal ice way back then they came well, at the same know, time crap. in the in the good book it says that there's nothing never new no, under the sun. sun right so this has been going on for thousands and thousands exactly. of years exactly. you have two people at the table today expressing and sharing their testimony and my reason for sharing is because i just have a passion for people to just understand that i don't care where you are in life you can always rebound if you're going through something. If you're not going through something, the two L's of life, listen and learn, will make or break you. If you don't listen and learn and learn and listen, then at some point, you're going to have your struggles too with addiction. Mm-hmm. It may not be drugs, but it'll be addiction in other right. areas of life. So hopefully, what has been shared by Mercedes, myself, and even the brief testimony of Danielle, which was powerful, it's again, it goes back to choices. But if you don't listen to this podcast tonight, and if you don't learn from what's being shared, and if you don't listen to others around you who are telling you to do right when you're doing wrong, then at some point, the tables are going to turn. So this is just not about uh, a conversation about drug addiction. This is a conversation about life. And so I like sharing because I just want to just let people know that the grace of God will guide you where you can listen and learn and make good decisions mm-hmm. versus making bad decisions. That's right. That's, that's my reason yeah. for uh, mm-hmm. wanting to share and be open about it. I don't, I don't walk around with a mask on anymore as far as sharing my testimony. Mm-hmm. But there's still layers of the mask that need to be peeled off at the age of 60 right. that I'm still working on. And there are a lot of people that wear a mask daily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we all do. Yeah. I'm just trying. I don't, but. <laughs> there are a lot of people there. I just feel like just being real, real honest with people. I don't, at the end of the day, I don't care who you are. I'm just going to be real with you. If you don't like the realness, then you're going to have to keep, get to stepping. And that's only because, like, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I hadn't been real with myself three years ago. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be where I'm at today and have what I have in life right now if I wasn't brutally honest with myself first. And then, of course, I, I go out to my network. You guys would be like, do you really go back and tell the church everything you've done? Yeah, I go tell the church. You ask me, I'm going to tell you. And the first thing they asked me when I roll up, who you been sleeping with? Well, I've been sleeping with this person, this person. <laughs> I'm arguing with this person today. But in reality of it all, I may sound, put myself out to sound like this big hoe, but I'm not. But in the spiritual rim of it all, and looking at the spiritual rim is more like, the Lord doesn't approve of that, and I know that. So it's something that I let go, and then I'll let the Lord work on it, and then I'll take it back. So it's just the process. So the people that listen, I just hope that they get out of it. Like, they're not alone. Even though we're 
we're sober and we're thriving and we're doing all these things. At the end of the day, I, j- I told her, girl, ever think about going to the trap house again? And I mm. promise you, I'm that crazy person <laughs> that will run up in the trap house with anointing oil and throwing it on every single one of them until I get to you. Talking about, oh, come on, gosh. honey, we going. And that's just... Trap house and anointing oil. That was, right. that, that was good. <laughs> and you know, I have done that before since I've been three walking this for three years. What you feel... So, to, to walk in a trap house mm. and to and have a mindset that I'm finna throw anointing oil, obviously you had two spirits taking on. Mm. You had a good spirit that was working and then you got mm. this demonic spirit. And then you got this good spirit that wanted to help others. But I'm pretty sure in the process of that, your addiction yeah. was saying, go back and use. Or did it, well, not, did it, did it not attack you? Did it attack so, you? Honestly, I haven't had the urge to use in a very long time. So watch this. And I got an interject right here. So they say if you go to the barber shop long enough, you end up you'll right, get a haircut. haircut. Right. <laughs> Stay away from those places. Right. Well, see, when I go into a trap house, I'm never going alone. I do have a spiritual ranking, but also I also have to follow command in that spiritual ranking, if that makes sense. Okay. I have someone that's over me, and then I have someone that's a little bit high. It, it may sound crazy, but I have, here's me, and then I have someone that's been walking a little bit longer than me. And then sure. I have someone that's been walking older and longer sure. and has that force of if they see us being attacked, they know how to shield us. And then that's whenever, because you have to be very careful walking into those situations. You have to be very careful, like, where I'm at today, am I strong in my prayer life right now? In my prayer language, do I ha- would I walk into a trap house right now? Absolutely not, because I'll walk out with a million demons falling behind me because I'm not... I'm not in my spiritual realm where I need to be. Am I, do I wear myself from that? Yes. If I'm going into a trap house, there's going to be at least three, four, five people going with me. And it says hasty of laying on the hands. When I personally go, I'm not about to lay my hands on no one and pray for them. There will be someone that's spiritual authority above me laying hands and I'm laying hands on them. Only because I know I'm still vulnerable to the spirit of lust. And lust is very heavy in an addiction. And also, when I was in addiction, I was very involved into black magic. Going to trap houses, you have to be careful with that because a lot of black magic is going... A lot of people operate in that. A lot of people do that. That's a spirit that was I was possessed by. And I don't want to ever put myself back into that situation because if I do, next time it'll kill me when I get delivered from it. And so, I know that for a fact. So... I can share this part of a testimony that's going to bring a different light. When I started and I went into recovery, I had eight years of sobriety, right? Mm-hmm. But I never stopped selling. I just stopped using. See, what happened was, it was the three-letter word, yet. Mm-hmm. It just didn't catch up with me yet. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to be careful not to go around old places. Right. Because it's just a matter of time before it gets you. Mm-hmm. It may be one year. It may be three years. It could be eight years. And what happened was, I fell off of the wagon and lost my sobriety. I went back mm-hmm. right. to my addiction for a short period of time. Why? Because I was still playing with old playgrounds and playmates. That's right. so why you gotta be very careful. That's why I brought that up. You gotta right. be very mm-hmm. careful. I, 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 I'm not here to dispute anything about rankings mm-hmm. and others and right. edges of protection. But at the end of the day, it's you, the individual, that got to fight that battle. And you don't know when them demons gonna come so strong that nobody can can, yeah. can protect you. But if you stay away from those places, then your chances are better. Right. Right. And that's all I'm trying to encourage others that are listening. Like they may have family members and they may say, Well, I wanna go in and get them. Uh-uh. You better be <laughs> uh-uh. very you better be very mindful of what you're walking into. Right. Because sometimes you could be walking in situations, and I'm pretty sure Mercedes yeah. will share this. Now, yeah, it I took me three know. years to but be able people, to do something like that. People are, they have artillery. Right. And you're you a face that they've never seen before, and they don't know what your motive is for walking in there. And before you know it, you could be attacked or hurt, trying to do a good deed, yet you're just in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. You got me? So yeah. you got to be real careful about all that. I just wanted to share that and... 
I just thank y'all for the opportunity to be able to speak and. Okay, this, this, this how we gonna do this thing? You got one thing to say. What you want to say before we go? I said one thing too. I ain't said a whole book. One thing to say. One sentence. Not a run on, but one sentence. Thank God for grace and mercy. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna say this. One sentence. If you're struggling, just reach out. Reach out to someone and network. It doesn't matter who. Keep God first and everything else will fall in line. Amen. Amen. Well, I really enjoyed what we got going on today. I can see plenty more episodes coming. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Mercedes, for sharing y'all stories and being so transparent and, and honest and open. It, it means a lot. And I'm quite sure some people that are going to listen to this will get a lot from it. A lot. From the mind to the lips to the heavens. Until next time, peace from the heart. Last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Wake up every morning, by the night I count stacks. Knew that ass was real when I hit it, bounce back. You ain't getting checks. Last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Boy, I've been broke as hell, catch the check and bounce back. D-Town LAX, every week I bounce back. If you a real one, then you know how to bounce back. Don't know nobody, oh nobody, always on the fucking job, I got no high.